right? If you just ignore it, then it's not paying attention at all. But sometimes I found that my haters have taught me a lot about myself. For the Millennial Way Show, I am Ismael Trevino. Welcome to a new podcast episode. Our next guest is just fascinating. Her name is Bushra Amiwala. She's a Pakistani-American college student at DePaul University. And as of 2020, she's the youngest Muslim elected official in the United States of America. Bushra was a Democratic candidate for the Cook County Board of Commissioners in the 2018 Illinois primary election. Bushra now travels around the United States, sharing her story with hope and uh, to inspire others to take action. Her story has been featured in publications like Time Magazine, the Chicago Tribune, also in Glamour Magazine, Politico, Now This, NBC, among many others. She was named actually Glamour Magazine's College Woman of the Year for her first campaign, though she lost. She's a very active leader in the new social media clubhouse. Boshra, it's a pleasure and an honor. Uh, welcome to the Millennial Way Show. Thank you so much for having me and for that amazing introduction. I'm so excited to be here today. Bushra, please tell us a little bit about your story. Tell us about your, yourself, your inception. Yeah, absolutely. So I was born and raised in Rogers Park, which is a north suburb within the city of Chicago, and moved to Skokie when I was nine years old. And growing up, I wasn't really interested in politics. I felt like who looked like me that was represented in the political sphere. And it wasn't until my senior year of high school when I took an AP government and politics class when I realized a lot of my friends would be voting Donald Trump to be president. And I never understood what Republican people cared about, what those ideas were, things of that sort. So I wanted to get a firsthand look of what it meant to be Republican. So I decided to work for a U.S. Republican senator's campaign. And there was someone on that campaign that saw leadership ability and potential in me that I didn't see in myself at the time. And they asked me to run for public office. And I was 18 at the time and shortly turned 19, um, I guess a couple months later, and decided to do it. I guess ignorance was bliss because I didn't know what I was getting myself into, which is why I decided to run for office the first time. And um, I lost the very first time that I ran. But with support of the person that I ran against, he encouraged me to run for office again. And I got elected in April 2019, making me the youngest Muslim elected official in the United States. Why did you decide to, to run for the second chance? I mean, you lost. Tell us a little bit or walk us through that decision of, okay, I'm not giving up. I'm going to persist. I'm going to keep fighting. And actually, you made it. Absolutely. You know, it was so challenging to make that decision to want to run again because when you lose something, especially something that was such a public loss, like everyone saw, everyone was watching on election night to see what was going to happen with my race, like if history was going to be made, right? If we had this new generation of leadership and I felt like I let people down because that didn't happen, right? So it took a lot for me to put myself out there to sort of pick myself up and to do it again a second time. But again, it was support from the person that I ran against and it was his mentorship and his guidance that really encouraged and inspired me to do it again. Bushra, let's talk about the importance of uh, empower, diversity, identity, and inclusion in our society. Why do you think it's so important to tackle these topics? 
Absolutely. So these words, diversity, equity, and inclusion, I feel like are buzzwords, right? Everyone's talking about them. People want to take action, but how do we actually integrate it into our day-to-day lives? It's actually more than just representation. Representation is a very small sliver in for what diversity, equity, and inclusion work looks like. Like I mentioned before, it's so imperative to have people who look like us represented in positions of power, in fields of government, in leadership roles, and things of that sort. But that's just a small fracture of it. We have allies as well, people who don't look like us, who are advocating for us in our communities and marginalized groups and things of that sort. And it's the way to pave the way forward. It's a new style of leadership. It's a fresh perspective. It's bringing those voices to the table that historically have not been before. And I think this is the mode of leadership that we're pivoting to. And it's so imperative to have these types of voices present currently. So I'm super thrilled that equity is at the core of a lot of the work that I do, whether it be at my Google or whether it be through the Board of Education that I serve on. I serve on the equity committee as well. So um, it's a core tenant in our strategic plan for our school district. And it's something that we've been pushing for. And I'm really glad to see people take action um, as opposed to just hearing these buzzwords and I've been following you uh, a little bit about your social media and, and the information that is actually online about yourself, about what your purpose, which uh, drives you to make what you're doing. And you have a very interesting concept of uh, what, you, what you call the everyday leader to empower youth voices. Can you please walk us through this concept? Absolutely. So to me, I talk about leadership. It's being a leader within your own social circles, within your friend group, within your neighbors, your parents, your friends, your family, your, and within those spheres of influences. I feel like we've made leadership this great big quality that is so unattainable, but it doesn't have to be that. It can be those everyday instances where you're able to make a difference in someone's life. So I tell everyone that everyone has the opportunity to become a leader. Everyone has those chances to, you know, inspire someone in their day-to-day lives. And it's capturing those everyday moments and instances to make a difference and impact in those lives. So I definitely have championed everyday leadership for a lot of individuals. And it's something that I push for. And I tell people that, you know, if you can be a leader in your sphere of influence and make it just as big of an impact as, you know, the president of the United States can at that national level. And it doesn't have to be those big forms of leadership that are constantly celebrated, but we must celebrate the micro levels of leadership too, because that's where change actually happens. And that's where the practical side of that sphere falls into play. Wow, that's very, very interesting. Bushra, how strong is Islamophobia in the United States and actually worldwide? And how is that that you are fighting Islamophobia uh, with compassion? Yeah, so um, I definitely think Islamophobia is something that we saw a lot more after the 9-11 attacks that took place in the United States, right? After that, there was rampant Islamophobia because a lot of people's perceptions of Muslims comes from the media. And that's something that, you know, especially when it comes to history of Muslim Americans that's not taught in schools. The only times you hear about Muslim Americans in history books is when we're discussing 9-11 and the tragic attacks that happened during that time. And without diminishing, you know, the face value that goes from those days, I also think that it's important to talk about the contributions that Muslims have brought to the world and to, you know, the United States and this country. I mean, Muslims invented everything from algebra to coffee. And, you know, I feel like we don't talk about that enough. And that's where Islamophobia actually comes from. It comes from the idea of not knowing and the idea of just the fear of the unseen. So when I was working on that U.S. senator's campaign, uh, I had, my job was to go door 
board to various registered Republican voters' homes and asked them a series of five questions. And the first one on that list was, on a scale of one to 10, how fearsome are you of an Islamic terror attack on US soil? Literally was a question we had to ask every single voter. And 10, very fearsome. I'm very scared that this is going to happen, which to me I thought was insane. I was like, I can't believe that my neighbors, people that live literally three miles from my home, are fearing that like the Muslims will attack their country or something of that sort. That's what such an obscene out of the thought to me. So to me, I fight Islamophobia with my day-to-day rhetoric, with a compassion, because when you meet a Muslim person, and suddenly all of these stereotypes, these predisposed beliefs, these preconceived notions that you have for the Islamic faith and what Muslim people care about, all of that becomes diminished because suddenly you have a real anecdotal experience as to what this looks like. And that is how I think you fight Islamophobia with compassion. What challenges have you faced particularly uh, as the country's youngest Muslim official? So I think the biggest challenge has been being too Muslim for some people and then not being Muslim enough for other people. And where do you draw the line and how can you do both, right? And being a Muslim American, there are many elements to myself that I integrate from my Muslim identity and my Muslim faith, but there are many parts that um, I still sometimes struggle with, right? I'm a year-old girl. I just, you know, graduated college. Like there are certain things that I feel like um, are very normal for my age group and demographic, but um, within Islam, principles people don't find permissible like for example i love makeup it's something that i wear it's something i do and the end there's nothing in the religion that says you can't wear makeup or anything like that but people will say you know like why does she do that so it's such you know being pigeonholed and my identity being seen as something more than just what i stand for is quite i think frustrating right when people only talk about what i look like and what i'm wearing and, you know, what the color of my hijab is or what that might represent. Like, all of that, I think, is distracting from my actual message and with the things that I actually stand for, I would say, is the most challenging part. Pusha, where do, do you see yourself in the next five years? Yeah, that's such a good question. You know, if you asked me this a year ago, I would have said, I don't know, like, probably exactly where I am. Like, I don't know if I would run for anything else. But you're asking me now where I've had a lot of time in the pandemic to think, to recharge, to refuel, have a lot more energy, and I'm ready to tackle all of the challenges that come my way. So I see myself holding high office. I definitely do. I definitely think that in five years, I want to run higher, and this is something new that I've been, so I guess you heard it here first, but I definitely have to run for something one day, and I my nine to five, my day job is I work at Google, so I definitely think that I still might integrate that part and work for and run for a different part-time position um, outside of the Board of Education, so I definitely see that being somewhere I do, and I um, I run a nonprofit, Amiwala Foundation, which uh, is to support, uplift, and inspire young people, and I hope that that's kicked off by then, and we have, you know, $100,000 in five years from now, serve thousands of kids across the Chicagoland, D.C., and New York metropolitan areas. I want to ask this question because I just want to keep it on the record. Maybe in the future, uh, I'll have this opportunity to, to play it back. Would you like to run for the presidency of the United States at some point? Oh, that is such a good question. Obviously, I would love to 
to run for president of the United States one day. Whether I will or not, or whether the opportunity presents itself, who knows? But that would be an absolute dream of mine, for sure. Amazing. Bouchard, let's go to technology. Um, and I would like to ask you about uh, this, social this new social media tool that is very active nowadays. Um, and, I, I, and I think that you're using it and you're very active actually um, to reach young leaders to take action. Um, I mean, actually we met there in, in Clubhouse. What do you think about this new platform? You know, I think Clubhouse is such an innovative social media, right? Their voice is such an intimate way to connect with people, and it's what we have been missing out on with Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. It's a way where people are connecting on another level where they have not been able to connect before. It's stripping away all of the superficial parts about social media and bringing it down to the core of what people actually care about. And I have personally learned so much while on Clubhouse so many interesting topics and rooms that I posted and, post and heard other people's perspectives on. And I've met such amazing people such yourself and so many others on Clubhouse. So it's been an amazing way to expand my network, not only professionally, but also in the sphere of friendship. Like I met so many cool friends on there as well, people my age and stuff. So I definitely think Clubhouse is the next big thing. Um, it's only in beta mode right now. So it's just the beginning for the app. I can't wait to see where it'll be a year from now. And I oftentimes get asked like, do you think Clubhouse will still be successful when the pandemic is over? And I think that, yes, they're making a great job building a brand and Clubhouse will definitely still be around and be a way for people to connect even after the pandemic is over, in my opinion. Actually, actually, I agree. I agree too. Bouchard, what advice would you give to a smart, driven college student um, about to enter the real world? I would say two things. One, I would say network, network, network. Try to find as many mentors as you possibly can. People who are your board of directors, the people that you turn to for advice and guidance and mentorship, and those are the people. Build that base now, because investing in people is the best investment that you could possibly make during this time. And the second thing I would say is, be the change you want to see in the world, right? If there's something in the world that bothers you, that troubles you, that keeps you up at night, be the changes that. You have that power, just know that. Amazing. And to finish, Bushran, I really appreciate your time. Uh, what advice should actually they ignore? That's a good question. I think um, the advice ignore. Let's see, I've never been asked this question before, so I'm thinking of advice that people gave me that I thought wasn't really good advice or wasn't very helpful. But um, when people tell ignore the haters, don't just ignore them but see the validity behind what they have to say. And there's a way to integrate those elements into your day-to-day, -day, right? If you just ignore it, then it's not paying attention at all. But sometimes I found that my haters have taught me a lot about myself. Actually, a hater of mine, right? Someone who was hating on me said, speak really fast. And I was like, wow, that's so mean to comment on a video of mine. Like I just posted this video I was excited about, but I realized, you know what? Like maybe I do speak really fast sometimes. So I took that advice, I integrated it, and I ignored that hater then, right? So try to pick up the positives from what you can, integrate the learnings, and don't just ignore the haters. Ignore them after you pull out the positive pieces or the pieces that you can help integrate into your day-to-day -to, -day to improve yourself. 
Amazing. Bushram Iwala, the youngest Muslim elected official in the United States. Thank you very much for being today on the Millennial Way Show. What a pleasure and an honor. Was so much fun. I loved the questions that you asked. You really made me think with that last one. That was a good one. <laughs> Have a good one. And <laughs> see you. And see you soon in Clubhouse. Exactly. Yes. Can't wait to connect with you again on there. Bye bye. Have a great night. This interview, you can find it in all our digital platforms, in Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and also now in Spotify. Thank you for being with us. And remember, the Millennial Way Show, empowering the new generations. Until the next one.